0: Welcome to Legacy Podcast. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy this message. The next dimension. I almost changed my title, honestly, because it just seems churchy to me. And I don't want our titles and I don't want the things that we say sometimes to come across as Christian ease and only people who've been in church for 10 years know what we're talking about because it needs to be so plain and so easily spoken and so easily understood that everyone in the room, regardless of where you are with God, it's very easily understood. But I want you to understand this morning that we oftentimes, being Christians, and if you've lived for God for any amount of time at all, you've heard of someone say, hey man, we're going to the next dimension, the next level. God's taking us to this place, to this awesome, wonderful destination, if I may, or some place that we perceive as being the next dimension or the next level. You know, I, after putting some time in this week, I realize and have for many years, quite honestly, because honestly, over the last 30 years or so, my wife living, she and I for the Lord and, and it's really not about how hard I pray this next level. It's really not about some mystical place that I arrived to or that I've obtained to. It's not even that at all, quite honestly, those places are awesome and they're great and We all need to pray, and we need to pray until God moves in our lives. I do believe that. And it's not about some mystical place that only a few gifted people can can even fathom or even understand or have arrived there. There's nothing like that, quite honestly, at all. Quite honestly, what it's really all about, this next level, this next dimension, is really about following Christ. And that's what I'm going to dive into this morning. And I hope today through the scripture and through maybe some things that I want us to understand as a congregation that maybe we can get a a little better feel for that today. And so let us dive in this morning. I will be turning here in a moment to Matthew chapter number four, verses 18 through 22. But before I get there this morning, I want us to talk just a minute about faith. You know as well as I, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number one, the Bible says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for. But the evidence of things not seen. So faith is some, something that God puts in our hearts that we begin to believe in. Why? Because God said it, and it hasn't materialized yet, but that doesn't mean that we don't have faith for it. It means that I'm going to proclaim it and believe it until it is materialized, faith. There's something about our faith this morning that we really must grasp and get a hold of today. Because each and every one of us in this room this morning Must live by faith. For the Bible says that we must live by faith and that pleases God. Because without faith we cannot please God. That really is what that really means. So can I ask you this morning, are you living by faith? Because it is by faith that we please our maker, the father, the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. It's okay to rationalize your faith. I did not say that faith was rational. It's not what I said. I said it's okay to rationalize with your faith. Because God gave us all a brain to think. God gave us all the ability to think the thoughts that God give us. And so whenever God places something in my spirit, in my mind, whenever I begin to conceive, perceive something that maybe God's speaking to me, it's okay to rationalize with that. Because that which God places in me must line up with the Word of God. It must line up with good reasoning and good understanding of of people around me that that know Scripture and, and, and so forth it goes. It's okay to rationalize with what God puts in your heart. I didn't say it's okay to talk yourself out of it either. Because when God speaks, it's time to move. It's time to do it. I have learned over the last three decades or so, living for the Lord, and I'm not perfect at it by no means, but one of the things that I have learned is is that God has timing. God has timing. And that's why whenever God speaks, that it is ultimately important that we move, that we step into what God has spoken. Because if we don't, we'll get out of time with God. Because God's timing is perfect for our lives. There are times whenever God speaks and if we don't move in the timing and the rhythm of God, and I don't know about you, but as living for the Lord, I've I've realized that, you know what, there's times that I just get in this rhythm with God, in this rhythm, and everything seems to be a little easier. Why? It's like you're in a momentum. It's like you're in the rhythm with God. I want our media team to know that I've got mountains on my screen. I need my stuff. Like we had mountains up here. Those mountains were not supposed to be a part of the the, the video a while ago. Jesus Christ intends for us to find that rhythm. He intends for us to find that place that we can connect with God. And not rationalize God through our faith, but His faith in us. We can question God and have thought through that. The word is logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos. It is thought. It is God's thought. God's thoughts are produced in us. And whenever they are produced in us, we begin to walk out the things that God has thought and we conceive it, perceive it, and begin to walk it out. Christ said it like this in Matthew 4. He said, follow me as I make you fishers of men. I've noticed over the years that many things in life are going to be a residual of our thinking. In other words, the way you think and how you conduct your thought process is what you're going to become and what you're going to say and how you're going to live your life. It is very important that we get our thoughts under control. Your thoughts will not always be perfect, but you can always catch your thoughts before they get out of control. Therefore... Our thoughts, we can train ourselves through the power of the Spirit of God to begin to think properly, to begin to think godly thoughts, to begin to train ourselves. The Bible says that the most unruly member of the body is the tongue. Why is the tongue the most unruly member of the body? It is because we think things and then eventually they they come out of our mouths. So the better we get a hold of our thoughts, the more we're going to be able to tame the tongue that gives you no excuse to go around cussing people and acting up and saying whatever you want to say. Because God's intent for us is that we find our thoughts and we begin to be able to control our thoughts through the power of the Holy Spirit in our prayer life and then our mouths become that which is controllable through the Spirit of Almighty God. Thinking, thinking, thinking. My message this morning is really multifaceted and multi-layered. I could, You could take what I'm going to say this morning and you could apply it to leadership. If you're a leader on your job, if you're a leader in some other aspect of life, you can apply this to that. But maybe it's to us personally as well in this multi-layered aspect of this word this morning that each of us are leading someone. Intentionality. Each and every one of us in this room this morning, if we are trying to live for God and not, have, and not be intentional about it, you're finding yourself probably very frustrated by this point. Because intentionality is the forerunner, if I may, of all good things in God once we've become saved and, and ready to meet Him and et cetera and et cetera. Intentionality. How many of you live your lives, don't raise your hands, but how many of you, think with me for a moment, how many of you live your lives intentional? I mean, you're just not floating through life. Things come your way, it's not living by fate, F-A-T-E, it's living by faith, F-A-I-T-H, it's living by faith, not fate. Because I can control, if I may, my fate through my prayer life. Because the Bible says, as I pray and as, as I believe, I can form my world according to Hebrews 1 through 3. Now face evidence of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. And then it says, by the elders they have a good report. Why? By the things through their faith that they have prayed. They have formed their world, their lives, uh, through their faith, through their prayer. So it is so important this morning that we live our lives intentional. And that we have our lives somewhat in order. I don't get up in the morning and wonder, well, what am I going to do today? If you are your own boss and you are doing that, I promise you there's going to come a time in your life to where that you're either going to get it together or you're going to have a problem going forward. We all want to own our own businesses and we all want to be financial, uh, have financial freedom and we all want these things. But I want you to know this morning, those things come to intentional people. What are you trying to say this morning, Pastor? What I'm trying to say this morning is, is that guys, when you get up in the mornings and whenever you put your head on your pillow at night, there ought to be some significance about what you're doing. There ought to be some kind of purpose about what you're doing in your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, be intentional. Be intentional. I want you to notice with me this morning in Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 38. I'm reading this out of the New, or excuse me, out of the King James. I normally use the New King James, but I'm reading it because I like the way that it says it in the King James. Can I ask you a question before I read that scripture? What are you aiming at? What are you aiming at? What do you want? Where are you going? What are you looking forward to? What's next for you? What's next for you? Because I promise where you are, you're not always going to be there. What's next? And we've got to come to the place in our lives that we begin to think about what's next and where am I going next and what's, where am I going? And I intentionally want to go there. It's not going to meander around and just happen by chance, fall into something. Uh, you're going to fall into something. But is it what you want? Now I want you to notice with me in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38. The Bible says give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Now what the scripture is talking about for with the same measure that you met with all it shall be measured unto you again. What he's saying and I know we use this in giving and it, and it certainly applies to that. Because as you give of your finances, of your tithe, and of your offering, he's saying that as you give, as you sow, you shall also reap back to you. You don't give to reap, to, to receive, but it is a promise. It is a law of God. Everybody say it's a law of God. It's a law of God. It's a law of God. Listen to me. It's a law of God, and God does not lie. Everything he is, was, and will be is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot lie. Therefore, if I sow my finance into the kingdom of God, if I'm faithful, let me use this for a second, then I'm going to get into another area. If If I do that, God is saying, how you sow, you will reap. And if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Now, finance, use that in that term. Now let's use it in prayer. Pray a lot, get a lot of spiritual return. Are you with me? If you pray and you seek after God, God's gonna to speak to you. Why? Because you're gonna learn how to hear from Him because you're spending the time in prayer that is needed to have that conversation in relationship. So if you rarely pray, it is gonna be your life is gonna be a life that rarely hears. You're not going to have a lot of direction for your life because you're not in a place to get direction for your life because you're not sowing, you cannot reap. Therefore, if I read the Word, study the Word of God, and I gain wisdom because the Scriptures are wisdom unto me, Proverbs, you understand Solomon wrote these Proverbs, these words of wisdom. If I sow my life in wisdom, then I tend to make better decisions (laughs) As I move forward, what is wisdom? Wisdom is, it is decision-making. It is what I do next. I make less mistakes because I have wisdom. This works in every area of life. If I love her, the more I love her, the more love I get in return. The more I sow into my boys, the the more my boys do better in return if I'm sowing good things into their lives. It works in every area of life is what I'm trying to say this morning. Everybody said amen. So therefore, we understand that sowing and reaping is a law from God. And whenever we begin to understand that, I want you to realize that we will reap on the level of which we sow. If you have a business and you don't attend to it, it's not going to do very well. If you have a mate and don't attend to her or he, that's not going to go very well. Everybody give me a head nod on that one. Have you learned that? I hope you have. Let's aim this morning at the next dimension. Let's look at the next dimension. And before I go any further this morning, I give you, the, I give you permission to change. I don't know about you, but I, I, I can tend to be a little hard-headed. Anybody else in here a little hard-headed at times? I mean, once I make my mind up, sometimes it is, Hannah, I know better. She's over there going, no, no, no. I'm just, I love picking on Hannah. John likes me picking on Hannah. But I tend to be the type that once I make up my mind, it's sometimes hard for me to change my mind because I've already put together a plan for, the, for my decision. And if I don't have a real good reason to change it, I'm just going on, moving right along. So I want to give you permission this morning to change your mind. Write that down if you're taking notes. Write that down, write down. Write it down and say, I can change my mind. It's not a sin to change your mind. It's not a sin to change your mind how you feel about a thing, how you you approach a thing. God has ordered our steps. Yes, he has. But we get to determine our stride. In other words, our stride, how we're going to get there. In other words, God's got this purpose, but I get to determine some things in this purpose that God has put in my life. There's some things that I get to be a part of, and I get to determine some of these things. Notice with me in Matthew 4, 18 through 22, and Jesus Walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, and the, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called to them, called them, And immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. (coughs) Excuse me. I said earlier that this message had multi-facets to it, and this is one of the areas that I want you to write down, and I want you to think through with me for a moment. Why did these men follow Christ? Why do people follow you? Why? Why? Why would I drop my nets of my my living and follow someone that I've never met before? Why would I drop my nets? There's something about the mending of these nets as well. Because whenever these these guys were mending their nets, that meant that they they were profitable, they were productive. You don't mend broken nets because you're not catching any fish. You mend nets because you've got too much fish and they broke the net. So these guys somewhere in the past had had made a good living at fishing and doing what they had done. And the Bible says they dropped their living. It wasn't because, dude, I'm broke and I ain't got nothing better to do. I'm going to do this because I see my next in this. I see my next. I, I see the next dimension. I see the next thing in this. That's why we leave what we leave and do what we do is because we see a future, we see something in it that I'm willing to leave this to go there. Can I ask you one more time, why would people leave what they do to follow you? People follow when they believe that you have what is next for them. I'm not sure if these men... Drop their nets because of what Jesus said, or maybe because of the frustration of them really not understanding their purpose, and they were willing to drop their nets and follow Him. But the bottom line was they were willing to find out what was next in their life. Jesus knew the way, and He said, Follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. And this is why. This is why, guys, write this down. This is why people will follow you, this is why you can be a good leader. This is why you can be a great father, a mother. This is why you can be a great boss on the job, a great manager, wherever, whatever you do, this is why. It's because you're interested in them. It's because you're interested in them. Jesus Christ, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Why do people leave you? For what seems to be lesser than you. I didn't say it was. I'm not judging. I'm saying for what seems to be lesser than you. It's because someone else showed them interest. Why? Because of their next. Because I'm going somewhere and you've showed me enough interest that I believe in you enough that I can make my next step with you. People leave churches, people leave jobs, people leave marriages because they no longer see a future. They no longer see value. They no longer feel valued. Why would someone follow you? Are you so wrapped up in you that no one else matters? Jesus Christ never said, hey, this is what I need from you. No, what he said was, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, I'm going to invest in you. I have interest in you. Have we become such a culture of people that all we can think about is us? My time, my, my way... This is how I view it. This is how it's going to have to be. If it's of God, it's got to be this way. Interest. If you're going to lead people in whatever that looks like, you want to be the best mom in the world, you pour yourself into those babies. I didn't say put them first, but pour yourself into them. You want to be a great father? Pour yourself into them. You want to be a great manager? Pour yourself into your people. If you die tomorrow, how does that business function if you're gone? Hopefully it functions just like you were there because you've done a good job training people that you've poured into them. You've showed interest into them in such a way that they can do what you do. Because I'm not insecure about you knowing what I know. Anyone in the room this morning? Interest. If you are continually praying for power, if you're continually praying for things that help you, but if you know if you never have any purpose in your prayers, why does God feel would why would God feel obligated to answer that prayer? Why? Because God's God gives power to purpose. And if we are not praying God's will and God's purpose in our lives, why in the world would God want to answer all of my prayers? Now, God's good, and he knows I'm ignorant sometimes. Ignorant means I'm just unlearned, don't know. Doesn't mean anything's crazy. Just means I, I don't understand. In my lack of understanding sometimes, God does great things because I am ignorant. But when I've matured in my faith and I've matured in my life and I've been living for Him for some time, God's saying, Come on now. It's time for you to find out who you are. I don't want to give you more that's not going towards where your destiny is. So we can fiddle around some more. Turn to your neighbor and say, Are you fiddling around? (laughs) Are you fiddling around? God wants to answer prayers. He'll answer your prayer every single time whenever it's in your purpose and in your destiny for his purpose and will in your life. Most people, now I, I, I must say this, I said it in the first service and I'll say it again in this service. First of all, we've gotta be about others. Turn to your neighbor and say others. Gotta be about others. There's something that I've noticed over the last three decades is most people most people have a dysfunctional people around them because of their dysfunction. Now, let me explain. Write that down. Most people have dysfunctional people around them because they have dysfunctions themselves, however you want to say that. Okay? Now, notice with me for a moment. Notice with me for a moment about dysfunction. The people that do that, they put people around them to heal their hurts and their wounds instead of moving others into their purpose. Dysfunction feeds off of each other. If you are insecure, you will put people around you that admire you. Why? Because you always or oftentimes need people telling you how great you are. Anyone in the room? Therefore, I want to be like Christ. What did Christ do? He said, Peter, I want you. Why do I want you? You're a fisherman. You, man, you are, you are all out. You're faithful. You say things sometimes that are crazy, but that's okay. You cut the ears off of people, but that's okay. Come on, I need you on my team. Matthew, what are you? Uh, you're a tax collector. I, I, I'm gonna train you. Come on. come, come. You, you can come help me too. And he got all of these different diverse types of people that he put around him as, a, as his disciples. They were, they were very powerful in their own right. They were not dysfunctional. He didn't put people around him that said, oh, Jesus, my God, you are awesome. Man, you turned that water into wine. Oh, hallelujah, pat you on the back. You are wonderful. My Lord, you are awesome. He didn't need that, didn't want that. What he was trying to do was to build a team of people around him that he could leave the earth and then take what he had given them and that they could do what he did. He was doing something with inside of them. It wasn't so much interested in himself, but he was doing something on the inside of them. Some of us have built our lives with people from where we used to be. Now, I'm not saying that people are, that you should discard them and they're disposable. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, is that we sometimes have people in our lives that keep pulling us back to where we used to be and they will not allow you to spread your wings and fly and become what God wants you to become because they know if they let you fly then you're probably going to get out of their comfort zone and they're not going to be able to deal with you like that because you've now grown into something that they no longer see as normal or they no longer see as something that they can control so they keep trying to pull you back and whenever God's pulling you forward that's when we get into this tug of war in our purpose and in our lives and in our marriages and with our children and all of these different areas of our lives because we will not let go what are you saying this morning I'm saying make them make them uncomfortable do something but do it in the will of God Do it where you know that you are so close and so much in God's will that whenever they let go, you don't have to be afraid. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Faith. Faith, ladies and gentlemen, is fuel. Faith is fuel. Jesus did not come to the world to make the church great. The Bible says that Jesus came to give us life, and that life more abundantly. It's hard for me to say that this morning because I'm a church guy. Honestly, I believe every good thing you're ever going to get is going to be in the church. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Church is not God. I'm just simply saying is that where the God's people are and the faithfulness of people are, walking in the purpose of God, you're going to find your faith, and your faith can grow there. For no man ever excelled with God in a cave. Oh, I can live for God and be saved and I don't have to go to church. Well, you know what? You may be saved, but you're never, you you listen to this preacher this morning, you're never gonna become everything that God wants you to become because you don't have the right people around. Matter of fact, you don't have anybody around you. You don't have the right people around you to cultivate you and to help you and to train you and to speak into your life and that you trust and that you bond together in prayer to whereby whereby one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand to flight. I understand the scripture and what it means there, but the bottom line is, is the more of you that I can put in my life and I can couple with you and we can pray together, touching anything. God says, I'm just going to bring more. I'm going to bring more. I'm going to bring more. It's not just going to be adding. It's multiplication. It is quantum. It's quantum additions. Therefore, I need you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. I need you. Faith. Faith. Now, I want to say something about the church for a moment. Christ came to give us life and that more abundantly. I want to to, to share something with you. I know that my wife and I, we have had to deal with over the last some 30 years, even in our own lives, even in our own lives. And that is simply because of this. You're going to have the opportunity and you're actually going to be, um, you're going to be pulled You're going to be pulled to get very independent as you live for God. Listen to me. I'm teaching you right now. Write this down. I'm going to be pulled to get independent. Write it down. It's not a negative statement. It's a fact. Why do we do that? We do that because we go through life. And when we go through life, things happen to us. And when things happen to us, we recoil. We recoil. And then we go back and something else happens. Recoil again. I go back, something else happens. I recoil again. Are you listening to me? I'm going to get you out of here. You give me 10 minutes. I got you. Remember, we started at 11 today. Remember, remember, new start time, new start time. But the point that I'm trying to make this morning is, is that if we don't watch ourselves, we become very independent, and that is not of God. Because if if you don't have someone in your life that you trust, you know, I have a pastor in my life. I have a pastor. Matter of fact, I have two men in my life, and if they tell me to run around this church, and they tell me to put jelly beans in my nose and do it, I'm going to do it. It's funny, but the fact of the matter is it's true, and I would do that. Why? Because I'm going to obey them. Why? They are my covering. Now, I want you to get this. I want you to get this, guys. I want you to get this because it's not the culture that we have anymore. You say, well, I'm not just going to obey some guy blindly. Well, maybe you ought to check yourself because maybe you've been hurt so much that you no longer allow someone to be a part of your life in a way of authority. Now, hang with me for a moment. And the reason why I say that is is because I have a covering, I'm going to get down here because some of you zoning on me. I, some, we, we sometimes forget the fact that we need a covering in our lives. And I value that covering. Dr. Phil Brasfield calls me and he says, hey, Jeff, tomorrow morning I want you to get up. I want you to get up at 5 a.m. and I want you to pray because I need you to pray for me and I want you to do this and that and the other. And you know what I'm going to be doing at 5 a.m. in the morning? I'm going to be doing just that. What if I ask you in the morning, get up at 5 a.m., oh, get up at 3 a.m., whatever's uncomfortable. For me, five's uncomfortable. (laughs) It's not my routine. Well, I ain't gonna do that. I'll do it when I get up. No, what I'm saying is, guys, is do you value the covering because independence will get you in trouble? I've had the opportunity to do that and I want you to understand something. Hear me this morning. I want you to understand something. Just because we do not, Want that doesn't mean you don't need it. You need it because you need people over you and with you that are helping you, that are praying for you, that has a concern for you, that loves you. And I know it's different because I know we're in a culture today to whereby give respect, get respect. No, 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 no. Excuse me, get respect. How does that? In other words, I want respect first. I forget. No, no, no. I'm going to give you respect and hopefully in return, I'm going to get some too. It's honor. Honor. Turn to your neighbor and say honor. Honor. That independent spirit's got to go, guys. Turn to your neighbor and say, that independent spirit's got to go. It's got to go. It's got to go. Now, I got to get off this this morning, but the reason why it's got to go is because it'll lead you astray. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Doing the right thing in the wrong dimension. I'm getting to my clothes. Hang with me. Are you ready for the next dimension? These guys, whenever they were met by Christ, they were met and they left their father to follow Jesus. They left their nets. They left their father. How do I get from plowing to profit? How do I get from this place to this place is the question in many people's lives. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm gonna drill that in your head. That's why I keep saying that. Because when you leave here today, you're going to say this, you're going to be going, I don't know what he meant, but he kept saying, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. How do I get from plowing to profit? Exposure. Exposure. I'll never forget the first time that I walked into Covenant Church... Pastor Mike Hayes, I walked into that church, and I've been in a lot of wonderful churches before, but I've not yet seen, I've been to Elevation, I've been in a lot of great churches, but they don't look like that. And that exposure done something to me. It wasn't the building, it was leadership. It It was just doing things with excellence. It was crossing the T's and dotting the I's. It was exposure. Now I want you to notice with me something about these disciples, and Christ saying, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Peter saw the cost that it cost Christ. And whenever he saw the cost that it cost Christ, this is what he said. He said, I'm going fishing. I want you to notice something with me in John chapter number 21. And this is what I read as I begin to close. In John chapter 21, something very powerful happened. Three years later, just three years before this, we had Matthew 4, which I just read. Are you listening? Three years before, we had Matthew 4. And we had Jesus walking along the seashore, calling them to follow him, and they did. Now we're three years later in John 21. Now get this. He says, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Peter, I'm I'm leaving out of here. I saw what it cost Jesus. I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately they got into the boat and, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? Verse number seven, I jumped to, and it says, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment because he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Are you getting the picture? Whenever whenever I copied and pasted this into my notes, tears came to my eyes. Because how many times in our lives have we previously, God said, "Come with me, come on, and we went, boy we was on our way. I'm running with you, Jesus. I saw you turn the water to wine. I, I saw you heal the man's blinded eyes. I saw you do all of these miracles. I saw all of this stuff. Three years later, I find myself back on another stinking boat. Give me the scripture. I find myself on a boat again. And Jesus finds himself standing on the seashore. Hey, guys, what are you doing? They didn't recognize him at first. And then Peter had this revelation and understanding that this is Jesus. And the Bible says, give me some music, please, in the background, it'd be great. And the Bible says, He didn't even wait to paddle in. (laughs) Threw his coat on and jumped in the water. One version said he was naked and he threw his coat on him and jumped in. Been through so much, Lord, in the last three years. Been through so much. And I saw you have to go to the cross, and I didn't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to deal with you dying. And I I I, I denied you three times and, and I, I did all of this stuff. I even cursed whenever people would ask me if I'm with you. And whenever it got tough, and whenever people were wondering, where's Peter? I find myself, Peter speaking, I find myself back on a boat doing what I did when you first called me. I have failed, I have failed, I have failed, I have failed, and I've been with thee, Christ, the anointed Christos, the anointed one, God in flesh, God in whatever you want to say. The Bible says, whenever he realized that it was Jesus, he did not hesitate. He said, I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming. I failed. I failed. I failed. Verses 15 through 18. This is the kicker. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon said to Jonah, who do you, excuse me, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed, this is what Jesus said. He said, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. Then he said it to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep, tend them. First he said, teach them. Then he said, hang out with them. Give them your time. Tend them. Pick the the stuff out of the wool. Clean them up. Help them. Help them. I don't know what you're thinking right now. Let's give me the last verse. Verse number 18. And he said, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And then verse 18, most assuredly I say to you, when when you were younger, now I know what this is referring to, this is referring to how Peter would die, but it also refers to more than that. He said, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, get this, apply this, when you were younger in the things of God. When you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. In other words, you did what you wanted to do. You did it the way you wanted to do it. Come into your heart and your mind, you did it how you saw fit to do it. But then he said this, but when you are old, he's not talking about your age. He's talking about maturity. He said, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and will carry you where you do not wish. The next dimension. The next dimension. whenever I let people take me where they need me to be that in some way I may serve and help them it's not my life anymore he paid a price for it you've got to feel the strength of giving away your life you say pastor pastor This is too much, this is too much, it's not too much. Because the hole on the inside of you is predicated on you giving yourself away. That hole is filled when I give myself away. Not to me, to you, to you, to you, and to you, and to you. Not according to if you live the way I want you to live not according if you do what I tell you to do I'm doing good as long as you do what I tell you to do but if you don't do what I tell you to do I'm out so what's the next dimension the next dimension is jumping off the boat into the water head first It's not this mystical, cloudy space that God shows up in some kind of white robe. I've been praying for 30 years, fasted 40 days twice, not patting myself on the back, but I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't never seen no angels. Doesn't mean I can't. Doesn't mean God doesn't want to show them to me. But I personally have never walked in a room and went, my God, never but I'm going to tell you something more powerful than that is when I don't have to see that are you listening to me in here today is whenever I don't have to see that and I still say yay I feel the Holy Ghost in here it's whenever I say yay Lord i give it to you you not show me nothing else You showed me the blood on the cross. That's enough for me. That's all I need. I'm marching, I'm marching, I'm marching, I'm marching. I get disgusted sometimes. I don't like it sometimes, but I'm still not giving up. So the next dimension, follow me. Not talking about me. Follow me as I follow Christ, and I'll show you the next. Oh. You feel it? Because I think this morning, I think there's some of you in here that are ready to dive in. I think there's some of you in here that are ready to stop. I don't want to be mean, but you're going to have to stop playing around. Can I? You have to stop playing around. Time to dive in head first. It's time to dive in head first. Well, if I had some water, I'd just jump in it right now. Clothes and all, mic and all. I want you to stand with me this morning if you'd be so kind. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you really ready for the next dimension? Because there's a decision to be made to drop your nets and to jump head first into the sea. And I don't want to hear, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Because that is why we stay one foot in and one foot out. It's because you're trying to figure it out yourself. I promise you, if you'll jump in with all you got, God will show you the way. Thank you for joining us today for this message. If God is impacting you through this ministry, join us in reaching others and investing today on our website or our smartphone application. And don't forget to subscribe so you can hear more messages like this one. And remember, we are here to grow the family of God.